Hello, hello. Hey up, what's up, what's good? Que cosa sucede? Ni hao, Puviet. Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most interesting, intellectual, and artistic people in the world. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. We have a terrific episode for you today with an ambitious and adventurous guest as Brooke Ashley joins the show. Now, Brooke was the perfect guest for today's episode for several reasons. First of all, in the United States, the NFL kicks off tonight with most of the games being played this weekend, which makes it somewhat of a holiday for many Americans. And Brooke is a member of the Jacksonville Jaguars cheer squad. And she shares with us what it's like performing on game day. But the more important reason why Brooke was a perfect choice for today's episode is because she's the epitome of what the show represents, which is seeking out new things, finding unfamiliar challenges, and exploring the world over. Those characteristics are what made me seek out Brooke for the conversation, but also it was those attributes that made me feel like I had known her for years. And in the minutes prior to the actual start of the interview, we were laughing and joking, and I really felt like I had known her my whole life. Calling her an ambitious is an understatement, because for her, seeking out new challenges is basically a lifestyle. She free dives, scuba dives, skydives, fishes, hikes, you name it, all while being in grad school as she pursues a career as an occupational therapist. Brooke values the differences in people, and much like the theme of the show, she puts a premium on stories and learning from the experiences of others, but also, perhaps more importantly, creating her own unforgettable memories. On today's conversation, Brooke shares with us some of the mental and physical challenges that come with performing for many hours on game day, and she also reflects on what makes for a memorable game. And finally, Brooke talks about one spectacular and recent achievement, and that was climbing Kilimanjaro, yes, the tallest mountain on the African continent at over 19,000 feet, and it's the highest freestanding mountain in the world. Brooke achieved this feat just a few weeks ago, and she tells the story of her unforgettable fortnight in Tanzania. Easily one of my favorite talks of the year. I adored learning from her and hearing about her philosophy on life, and I couldn't get enough of hearing about Kilimanjaro. She gives incredibly thoughtful and honest answers, and it was a heck of a conversation. Loved every second of it, and I know you will too. So let's go ahead and bring on me old friend, or what feels like me old friend, me new friend, Brooke Ashley, and let's learn. Brooke, this is, gosh, I feel like I've known you forever, but you live an incredibly, <laughs> you live an incredibly active life. Where did this start? What were some of the activities and sports you did when you were young? Um, well, growing up, I participated in many different sports. Um, I started in gymnastics when I was younger, and soccer was my main sport growing up. Um, I also played basketball. I did karate, swimming, flag football. Um, when I got to like middle school, I started competitive dance in a studio. And then uh, throughout high school, I was on a dance team. Um, and we actually won uh, nationals three years in a row. So that's a really proud moment of me, <laughs> my high school years. And then after high school, I got introduced to semi-pro cheerleading. So I cheered for a rugby team here in Jacksonville and then also the arena football team. And then um, this will be my third season cheering professionally for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And perfect timing as we're starting the season up this weekend. I'm curious just on during a game because you got to be on point mentally and emotionally for seven hours. So how do you make sure you're in the right frame of mind to perform at a game? Are there certain things you do during the week to keep yourself calm and relaxed? Um, it kind of just varies. 
So uh, the game days are very exciting and it's very easy to get um, like game day jitters. Mm -hmm. But I mean, walking into the locker room surrounded by my teammates, it just gives me gutter like butterflies in a good way. But I prepare by taking like our practice seriously. We practice um, twice a week and then we have to be there four hours um, before kickoff. And um, we learn a lot of materials in those hours at practice, and it can be very overwhelming. But I try to practice even when I'm, like, non-practice days, just so that I can prepare. Uh, I try to eat healthy. Or I like my fried foods, which is challenging because nobody likes to jump around on a, a full belly of, you know, fried chicken and french fries. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I just try to minimize, you know, eating poorly and, and, and then also just, like, practicing when I can to, to be prepared. Yeah. So physically, physically, what's the most challenging part of performing during a game? Oh, I would say dancing in a hundred degrees weather, okay. <laughs> um, maintaining like an endurance and keeping your energy up. So you're entertaining the fans and, and um, trying not to look like you're struggling is probably the most challenging because it gets pretty hot down in, in the bowl area where there's sometimes wind chill or wind. And sometimes it's just like, a standstill yeah so you have to fake it till you make it in a sense yeah after game do you feel more drained physically or mentally um i probably would say physically because we dance in like two inch heels like okay. our boots um which we've modified over the years um which has been really nice so but yeah we we take those breaks in between like quarters very seriously we hydrate um we head back to the locker room you know do some makeup touch up and and sometimes I'll just lay there and, and stretch because it just feels good to, to not do, you know, you're standing for hours a day. So it's, it just kind of, um, I would definitely say it's more physically exhausting than mentally. Yeah. Now over the last year, crowds have been limited. I know there's many restrictions in place for you as a performer. How'd you handle all the emotional ups and downs that, that came with the last 18 months? Um, so I actually did not cheer last season due to schooling. Um, I took a clinical out of state in Oklahoma. So I did not um, want to take up a spot, you know, that could have been offered to somebody else on the team. But with constant communication from my former teammates, I heard that the complications that they were having was that they had to do Zoom practices. And as you know, technology is not always a fan favorite. So the limit interaction um, with not only your teammates, but, you know, the fans as well. They weren't doing a lot of appearances due to, like, safety concerns. And then um, it's really hard to learn a dance via Zoom or any online video, you know, communication device um, because it, like, glitches or the Internet's not very strong. Um, you can't see if the person's kicking the right or left foot, like, even um, I, I learned that Zoom only allows X amount of people on a call and, you know, there's 34 of us. So um, I know that that was kind of one of their struggles. I think for the most part, everybody's kind of happy that we're in person now and, you know, maintaining those safety guidelines through the NFL. But every now and then we'll have a, a Zoom practice and it's, it's kind of more of a headache because, you know, it's everybody learns differently. So it's, it kind of just takes us longer to learn a dance. And then it's, it's not expected, but you, you kind of hope that everybody's on the same page, but everybody learns at a different speed and, 
and differently as well. Like I'm more of an in-person um, learner and I like have to see it from all angles kind of thing. So it's, it's a little more challenging. Very well said. Aside from the outcome of game, win or loss, what makes for a memorable game for you? Ooh, win or lose, I think what makes the game game most memorable are the fans, your teammates, and any exciting plays. Being there on the field and like hearing the roar of the fans, it's like, it's kind of a surreal feeling. And I think to me that makes it very important. And also, like, I love it when I get to see my friends and family on game days. It just kind of makes me want to perform bigger and better. Um, it, like, they like give me like a boost of energy. Like, it's just exciting and it kind of like makes me like that day or that game like even better. Now, see, I thought you were going to say the most memorable is just hearing Duval. That's what I thought. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, that's that. And I feel like the mustaches, just seeing people dress up in their best Jags attire. And I like reading the clever signs that people bring to it. It's a, it's a great, I'm going to say, hobby of people watching for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of mustache. <laughs> I'm an Eagles fan, so we, we took your guy, Gardner Minshew's now ours. So. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, best of luck to him. <laughs> now, I'm super, super excited to ask you this. Something you did this summer, just very recently, last month, Kilimanjaro. Where did the idea come from, and what was that experience like? And take all the time you need. Oh, goodness. So this is a lot. Okay, so a coworker of mine who is also a very close friend, uh, we were actually talking about future trips and planning our random Rome weekend trip. Um, and a doctor that we work closely with overheard us talking and he mentioned, how about we go hiking Mount Kilimanjaro? And to be honest, it never crossed my mind, but I love hiking. And my youngest sister and I have been hiking a part of the Appalachian Trail. And I thought, it'd be a great experience to try something a little more challenging. Um, so the experience was amazing. We booked through this company called Climb Keely, and they gave us options of different routes, um, and we chose the route that had the most success rate to reach the summit. It took us about seven days, and there was about five different climates that we hiked through, and um, it was very early mornings, and it took us about four to six hours, depending on the day, um, to reach our campsites. And we got breaks in between. We took in the scenery. Um, it was honestly surreal. Uh, and then when we got to our campsites, uh, we had about eight people in our group. So um, looking through the company, we were accompanied by 27 porters. Um, and the porters carried a lot of our equipment that was needed for camp, like our tents, tables, chairs. Uh, we even had like portable bathrooms. Yeah. Um, they brought up all of our foods, um, hot water. It was just, it was amazing. Like everything that they had for us and we were more prepared than ever. I could imagine. It was kind of like glamping. Like I'm used to roughing it. And just kind of like winging it, but um, they were they were definitely they definitely knew what they were doing. So, as aside from the twenty seven porters, um, we had four main guides, and those guides stuck with us throughout the entire hike. Um, we learned that the guides go through a special training and certain certifications. Um, they even had oxygen tanks for us for our actual summit night because you know the less oxygen, the higher you went up on the mountain. 
um, you know, any, you know, if you rolled your ankle, like they're prepared for pretty much everything. It was, it was great. Um, also the porters were amazing. They would leave, I, I don't even know how they did this, but they would leave after us, after serving us breakfast and, um, you know, breaking down the tents and like packing everything up. And then they would arrive before us and have our snacks and dinner ready for us. I was like magic. Like I, I literally like cannot put into words like how amazing like these people are. Um, so our mornings were very cold and I did not want to get out of my tent, but I knew each day we were getting closer to summit and that kind of just pushed me and be like, okay, like I can do this. And my sister and I would just kind of be like oh, five more minutes in our warm tent and our hot tea. But, um, but once we were out, we were, we were ready to go. Um, we carried our own backpacks and we had a lot of water, snacks, um, and extra clothes. It was really hard for me not to eat all my snacks because I'm a grazer anyways when it comes to food. And I had to like actually make sure like, no, like I can only eat this much because they fed us so well. Like they carb loaded us. Like it was, I don't know, like they, they made sure we ate really well. And I, we actually got in trouble the first night because um, we none of us were used to eating that much food. And so the cook came in and was like, do you not like my food? And we were so confused. We're like, no, we loved it. And he's like, why did you not eat anything? And we're like, it was just a lot. So we had to like compensate with how much food they were prepping for us and like what we we're eating. And we made it a goal that like, okay, we have to make them proud. Like we have to stuff our faces in order to, you know, to make everybody happy. Um, but some days it felt like we were rock climbing and other days it felt like we were running down a mountain. It was always up and down and it, you just kind of had to trust the process because it kind of looked like we were getting farther away from the mountain, but like then the next day you were like, it was like right there in your face. So um, that was, I mean, the scenery was unreal. It was rocks one. And then it was like a misty kind of looked like you were on a different planet with, the plants that were there, um, there was like random water streams. We went through a rainforest one day. Um, it was just, it was really cool. And then uh, it took us about six days. And then the last few days kind of felt like they mushed together. So we stopped for lunch at um, this place called Lava Tower. And we were only there for like a couple hours. And then when we left that, we ended up arriving at camp and it was, it was actually, it kind of felt like you were defeated at this point because you've just been hiking for so long. But once we reached camp, um, our team greeted us with like this beautiful song and we started dancing. And let me tell you, dancing at 16,000 feet is exhausting. <laughs> I thought I could do it because, you know, being athletic and, and dancing and all, but like 16,000 feet really kicked my butt. Um, but it was just, it was I don't even know how to explain the, the feeling. It was um, very emotional, I want to say. Um, a lot of emotions, like, running through my mind. Like, I, I'm pretty sure, like, I cried, like, happy tears. And then I cried, like, oh, my gosh, when is this over kind of tears? Yeah. But um, it was – and then to experience that with my sister, I think, overall was by far my absolute favorite. So after we sang and danced and – they picked me up off the ground because I just was so winded. Um, we had dinner and then it was like an early dinner and we went to bed and then they woke us up at 11 PM to start our midnight hike. Um, because the plan was to reach summit at 6 AM for the sunrise. 
And so when you're hiking, um, they have this term called pulley pulley and it yeah. means slowly, slowly. And that's literally like the Swahili language was so much fun to learn. And I'm obviously not fluent, but like, I feel like if I was there a little bit longer, I would be doing pretty well. So, um, the guides were very educational and they didn't mind us asking all these questions and, and trying to learn because I feel like that's the whole point of traveling is you go somewhere and you want to just kind of infuse yourself into that culture and, and learn about how they live. And um, they were just so welcoming that it just kind of made the trip even more special. So as we're going up the mountain, um, you know, everybody kind of, we were taking medicine for altitude sickness and um, the, some were luckier than others about not getting altitude sickness. And personally, I'm happy to say that I was one of them. However, I had an episode where I couldn't catch my breath and I felt really claustrophobic. And um, I actually made my sister cut my Under Armour shirt um, that was tight around my neck in order to get like a full breath of air. Like I just, it was very like, it was kind of scary in a moment, but, um, but yeah, so I just kind of had to like, you know, we paused and caught my breath and then we were able to go. And then my sister had an episode kind of the same thing, but she felt like her throat was like the airway was cut off. And so other than that, it wasn't horrible. Like I'd rather have that than altitude sickness because that was like very minor in a sense. But, um, I think we were just like overexerting ourselves. Um, maybe I wasn't pacing myself right. Um, it was also super early in the morning and I'm a kind of person that needs X amount of hours of sleep. And at one point I kind of felt like I was hiking with my eyes closed and my friend behind me, she would see that I would be like veering off the path and she would kind of tap me to push me back on the path. And you're just like, exhausted at this point so everybody's kind of delusional and you know I'm grateful that everybody is also like looking out for one another one another but um aside from that we ended up reaching the summit at 6 48 in the morning we saw a beautiful sunrise um there was glaciers there was craters there was you know a handful of other people that were up there which was great that we didn't have to wait too long in line um, to get our picture with the sign, but it was about like negative two degree Fahrenheit plus wind chill. So it was, it was a little, it was a little chilly for the Florida girls up there. But other than that, <laughs> it was, it was an amazing experience. And I think if I had to, I definitely would do it again. Um, but not anytime soon. <laughs> they do a really good job in the booklet that they give you with the packing list. Um, I don't recommend buying a trail mix bag unless you love trail mix and plan on eating it because trail mix is heavy and um, it, I carried it for a solid week and I didn't eat any of it and I probably shouldn't have. So, <laughs> But um, I also brought like candies and stuff um, that the porters have never tried. So they all learned what nerd rope was and hot tamales. <laughs> Oh, you brought them hot tamales of everything? That's what you brought? <laughs> I said bring food that you can eat, whether you're hungry or not, and I love hot tamales. You were, you were punishing them with that. You should have brought them something different. <laughs> they loved both of them, okay? <laughs> okay. What a terrific and thorough summary 
a lot of people, when they get to Kilimanjaro, they want to do other activities as well, because how often are they going to be in Africa? Did you do anything extra with that? Yes, uh, we actually did a couple things. So through Climb, Climb Keely, um, they give you options of additional tours. Um, and then, so we did a culture tour where we actually learned how to make coffee. Mm-hmm. I'm not a huge coffee drinker, but I will say now that I appreciate coffee so much more because of the effort it takes to j- even just get the coffee beans. Yeah. Um, so that was a really cool experience. Um, we also learned how to make lemongrass tea. And then we did a eight-mile hike to a waterfall um, through, like, beautiful villages. And um, so that was really, like, an eye-opening event. Um, we also did a three-day safari tour, which was incredible. I've, I've always wanted to go on a safari and, and just kind of see the animals in their natural habitat. And it just kind of it didn't really hit me until I'm obsessed with elephants. And until I saw this, like, herd of elephants, I just like broke down. I don't know. I told you this trip was very emotional for me, but um, it was just like, it was a beautiful thing just to like experience, um, you know, driving around and seeing the different animals and our guides were so, again, educational, knowledgeable. They, They got out, they explained different, you know, trees and plants and why animals, you know, move this way or how they act towards other animals. Um, so the first one we did the safari in the Terengeti and that one was my favorite because I felt like we had the most animal interaction. Um, we got to eat lunch in our, in our trucks with a herd of zebras, elephants, water buffalo, monkeys, like all of this watering hole. I was like, this is the best lunch spot ever. I felt like I was in the Lion King and, um, we saw a lioness with like a dead carcass and it was just was like again it was so real um the next one we went to was the crater and they consider the crater um the eighth wonder of the world and we ended up staying in this beautiful hotel that was on the rim of the crater and it was just so cool it was kind of hard to see the animals there because it was more of a wide open field i don't say field like I don't know, landscape. <laughs> um, so we didn't really see much there, but um, the lodging was really cool. And then the last one we went to was the hardest to see animals because it was more of like a forest. And mm. so we really had to like look up in the trees and um, we saw mostly a lot of baboons. Uh, we saw giraffes, elephants, and water buffalo- buffaloes there. Um, but out of like the big five, yeah. I think we saw about, they say we saw a rhino, but I don't think we did because we had to use binoculars and it kind of just looked like a rock to me, (laughs) but uh, we saw everything but um, a cheetah and a rhino, I'll say. Um, But yeah, it was, it was really cool. And then after that, we did another cultural tour. Um, We actually went to um, this, this place where um, disabled people worked and um they made they like recycled glass bottles and they made beads and jewelry like wind chimes um blankets and they like hand stitch pillows and stuffed animals for kids it was just like a really cool they had like glass blowing um 
so that was a really cool experience too so just to sit there and kind of like talk to everybody and we learned some sign language in Swahili um, I just liked a lot of the interacting uh, tours that we did it just kind of made you appreciate where you were at even more did you stay in Tanzania or did you get over to the Kenya side um so no we stayed in Tanzania um we we stayed in like um two additional like hotel lodging like um sites okay um and they were we had to drive about two hours yeah. to get there and the roads were super rough. So they joked that we would get a free massage after our hiking trip. And they weren't talking about an actual massage. They were talking about the, the bumpy road. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, it was, it was great. I ask about Kenya because I know that when I go places, I'm always like want to hit the neighboring country so I can cross them off my list as well. Uh, so yeah, you're hit, right. I'm in Tanzania. I also want to do Kenya as well. So, I mean, I wish. So when we were hiking up, um, I, Damon thing to mention this because usually you're kind of like looking down and it's like pitch black, you know, around like two, three o'clock in the morning. But there was this time where we were able to see the lights from Kenya. Okay. So it was off in the distance. Um, you could see Kenya, but other than that, um, we, we did not get to adventure into, into Kenya at all. Yeah. I know a lot of people when they get to the top, they might wear something special. They might, bring a flag or they might have a sticker or whatever it is. Or they might just do something special to celebrate the event of being 18,000 feet plus for you. Did you have anything? Um, uh, so that actually was a conversation throughout our whole hike. Um, I can give you some examples of the other people. So I had a friend who her boyfriend gifted her this little toad because they play Mario Kart. And um, mm. so everywhere we went, she would take a picture with toad at the top of the, you know, those uh, signs or the mountain and the summit. Um, my sister and I, we held a Florida flag up there and I had all intentions of wearing a Jaguars beanie so that I can send the picture to my coach. Um, but in the moment, I honestly just kind of blinked and I was just like determined to take a picture with my sister and the group, um, that I just kind of didn't really think about it. I was more in the sense of like being there in person and experiencing like just the views and like the memories that um, I completely forgot to to do like a list of picture ideas. Yeah. But um, my sister and I, since TikTok is this big thing now, um, I'm trying to be better at social media, and it's really hard because I love and hate it in a sense. Um, but we we did a TikTok where we just high fived at like every summit point or not summit point, I'm sorry, every like signs up to summit. And then when we hit summit, we just like completed the end of the TikTok kind of thing. But I think that as lame as that kind of sounds, but that was like our big, you know, video of progress to the reach the top. Um, but no, I think my most important picture is, is the picture of me and my sister yeah. because we'll, you know, doing this together that it just means, like so much more that she was there with me. Yeah. Well, I, I've seen the video. I love the high five meter because it was simple. It wasn't, you weren't, you weren't trying too hard. Too many times you see TikTok or videos that they're, they're trying way too hard and you didn't have that. Oh, and yeah. How, how did you handle being away from technology, being off the grid for so long? Did you enjoy it or was it frustrating? Oh, um, uh, like I said, it's, it's kind of I, my love and hate for technology just kind of goes back and forth. But 
um, it did not bother me at all to be away from social media for that long because, and even when I got back to the States, like I wasn't in a hurry to post pictures. Like I had this plan that, you know, I was going to go each day and kind of use my Instagram as a journal of like, Oh, day one, camp one, we were here and we did this and X, Y, Z. But, um, I kind of was like, I don't have to do that. You know, like it's, it's kind of like nice that I have those memories to myself and, that's why I kind of posted if anybody had any questions, I'd be happy to, to talk to them. But um, a fun fact, I actually went without social media for about two years. Love I it. gave it up for Lent and I just kind of continued on with it. But um, some, you know, school we, requires, you know, we have like a Facebook group of like when I was in school, I was in grad school and um, it was our way of communicating. And, you know, being on the Jags, we have, you know, we have this special group where we post all of our routines and for practices. And so like, I kind of feel like it's, it's hard to be without it. Um, just because I feel like it's a way that everybody communicates now. Um, so I kind of go back and forth to how much I'm on my phone. And, um, when I'm on my trips, I try not to be on my phone as much and just kind of be in, in the moment, um, with whoever I'm with. And then kind of have those like mental pictures, but it's, it's hard because you go back and forth, you know, you want to share what you're doing with other people to inspire everybody else. But then also, um, I'm not going to say that I'm lazy. I just don't feel like posting yeah. <laughs> pictures and stuff like that. So You have internal <laughs> gratification. You don't need the external. I think you're doing yeah. a, great, a great job of it, especially because like you mentioned on your trips and it was one of the things that. When I first saw you, I was like, why I got to chat with Brooke is because I see diving, I see scuba diving, I see skydiving, I see fishing, I see hiking, I see nothing but activities, nothing but you're just constantly going. I'm just curious, what's next? What are some of the big travel or adventure goals that you have planned out or are just dreaming about? Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I tell myself that I'm going to try an activity at least once because how do you know if you don't like it, you know, mm -hmm. until you actually fully experience experience it and um mm, i would love to go to australia and new zealand um they have a lot of great outdoor activities over there um but i'm currently <laughs> unfortunately locking myself down from traveling out of the country until i pass my boards so africa was a big trip for me and it was um, a graduation present to myself and um, I told myself when I got back that I had to buckle down and, you know, kind of conquer my next adventure. And, and that is to start my career as an occupational therapist. So I, I really need to, to pass my board so that I can focus on, on that. Um, but my 30th birthday is actually coming up in January. And I know some people do the whole dirty 30. It's like a big deal. Um, and I'm not really sure like what's allowed or where I can go at this point. I haven't really thought about it, but, um, I would like to try and find somewhere fun out of either out of the country, or out of the state, just to do something for like a weekend getaway, but I'm not really sure. So I'm open to any suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I just know it'll be probably something adventurous because I could, I could tell that oh. about you. you're always looking for something. Well, you spent quite a time in Africa, and I know you loved it. I know you loved the food and you, everything about it. But I'm curious, when you got back to the States, what was the first thing you're like, gosh, I'm craving. I haven't had this. <laughs> what was it? You uh, um, I was craving pickles. Okay. 
Okay. That and I think it was just because I wanted something sour, and I absolutely love pickles, but um, also a salad. Okay. I think because we were just so like carb loaded that I just wanted something light, and uh, you know, like we weren't we were told not to drink the water and the, eat the lettuce over there. Um, just because it wasn't safe and sanitary. So the first thing I did was I got myself a big Caesar chicken Caesar salad and um, a jar of pickles. Works for me. Works for me. Super random. but With everything, with this amazing journey you've been on, with school, with football, with life, it's been an unforgettable 18 months for you. So what do you feel during that time span? What do you feel is the biggest life lesson you've learned? Um, honestly, to do what makes you happy. Um, I don't want to live a life where I find myself regretting or passing up lifetime opportunities, whether it's business or for pleasure, um, traveling especially because we don't get that time back. And I also feel like even if you spend it with friends and family, that that's, you know, memories that you'll have for the rest of your life. And, and I feel like you shouldn't just pass up opportunities <laughs> if they come up because I feel they'll never come back in a sense, you know, like, I, I don't know when I could tell you that I would have another opportunity to go back to Africa. Yeah. So you kind of just have to go for it, plan it out, and then, you know, worry about whatever happens next later. Well said. Are you a reader? I know you're busy with school, but are you a reader? And if so, what's been one of the most memorable books of the last few years? Ooh, that is tough. Um, I actually, <laughs> I'm a really bad reader. I... I don't read as much as I should. Um, so I feel like I can't really answer that question because the last book I read was that Mount Kilimanjaro book. <laughs> it counts. It counts. I mean. Um, yeah, I don't, I'm more of like a, I find myself more on like YouTube for um, future trips and blogs, <laughs> like video blogs. Perfect. Um, like I'm a very visual person, so I, I like the videos and the movies, and I like to be able to see where, like, what these people are talking about, kind of yeah. thing. So, like, anything with like a visual okay. um, picture is, is or video is it kind of like makes me even more excited. Um, so, like, I did a, a, so much research on the Mount Kilimanjaro trip because I was, it just kind of made me even more excited to be like, oh my gosh, this is where we're gonna be, and yeah. watch out for you know, this over here kind of thing. So, yeah, but yeah. Gosh, it's been so much fun. Like I said, I felt like I've known you for a long time. I love your personality. You're just very adventurous. You're always looking to do new things and challenges. How can people stay up to date with your amazing life and follow along on the journey? Um, uh, so I pretty much post all of my adventures on my social media, which is Instagram. Um, and it's at underscore, underscore, Brooke Ashley, underscore. <laughs> And um, I try to post as much as I can when I feel like posting. I, I don't like to overwhelm my followers and friends on there just because, you know, I, sometimes it's, it's a little exhausting. Um, but, yeah, it's mostly just Instagram and my stories that I, I post all my trips and adventures. And, honestly, any questions, like, I'm very easy to talk to. Like, I, I love talking to random people just because, I feel like everybody has a story and um, I feel like that's the traveler in me, but I like hearing what other people have to say because that kind of makes me want to go um, different places and get great ideas from them. 
that's actually the tagline of the show is everyone has a story, each person a scholar. Whoa, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had a lot of fun. I've never done a podcast before. And to be honest with you, um, I guess it's technically not public speaking, but it's way out of my comfort zone. But I kind of was like, I'm going to do it anyways, because why not? <laughs> No one likes public speaking, but if you're talking about what you enjoy and what you like, it's yeah. no longer, it's it's no longer public speaking. It's just, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I can definitely agree to that. All right. Thank you so much. <laughs> this is awesome. All right. I thanks, appreciate Brooke. it. Yeah. Bye. All right. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Much appreciation to Brooke. Wasn't she fantastic? Be sure to give her a follow on Instagram. Keep an eye out for her on the sidelines for the Jacksonville Jaguars this year. My new book. Curiosity is currently available on Amazon. Curiosity celebrates the knowledge that strangers have to offer. Everyone has unique expertise and endless wisdom awaits the perpetually curious. Featuring 200 episodes from any given runway show, Curiosity explores the diverse lives of athletes, adventurers, and performers. From daring voyages across the Atlantic to unforgettable performances in the West End, Curiosity celebrates the sophisticated thing we call life. Everyone has a story. Each person is a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Adiento. Randall has become like, you know, New York's favorite son.